Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I had the absolute pleasure of talking to no other than CEO and founder of Social Media Examiner, Michael Stelsner. Now, I had a ton of questions to ask Mike this week. Um, I, of course, interrogated him in terms of storytelling and what is the secret to telling a great story from an authenticity point of view and uh, empathy point of view. But what I was particularly interested to speak to Mike was about uh, his innate ability to pull out stories from other experts and marketers. I listened to Mike's podcast um, on a, a weekly basis and he always manages to pull out great stories from other people so we explore just how he does that we also looked at um, how he builds and engages with a very active community we talk about how his um, his events are important from that perspective and also um, the bravery surrounding discussing his failures as well as his successes um, and we reference one particular episode of his podcast where he goes into a $300,000 mistake and he doesn't pull any punches or hold back at all from sharing uh, exactly what that was. Uh, so that's just one of the uh, the many things that um, uh, I think endears his community to, um, to towards Mike. Uh, he discusses how he finds and, and recruits talented speakers at his events and how he maintains quality uh, on his platforms without missing a beat putting out up to 10 pieces of content of great content on a daily basis there's lots of value in this week's episode you'll probably end up listening to it at least uh, a number of times to make sure you get all this value out of this so have a listen see what you think as ever please do give us feedback if you feel like giving us a rating or review i will be forever in your debt but for now just take in the episode let's get into the show so hello and welcome everybody to another episode of getting goosebumps today I am particularly excited about uh, this week's guest because um, Mike Stelsner uh, of Social Media Examiner, I've, um, I've been trying to get Mike on the show for a long time. I'm a huge fan. He's got lots to offer in a number of different ways from a storytelling point of view. Um, so, so, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, um, it's it's my pleasure. And and you know, Mike, um, obviously the theme of this podcast is, is is storytelling. And I know you're a thought leader in the space of marketing. Uh, our audience will probably know um, lots about Social Media Examiner. And I'm sure you've got lots of advice from a storytelling point of view. But what I thought would be interesting, actually, as, a, as, a, as I say, a fan of your podcast, is um, you interview a lot of very talented, interesting people, and they've all, all, all got stories to tell. And what I've noticed is you're very, very good at pulling out other people's stories. So as the host of this podcast show, I want to start by asking you, 
what's your secret and what's your approach to um, to speaking to uh, other thought leaders out there and pulling out their their story? Well, I always try to start my interviews out by asking a story about my guest. <laughs> and part of the reason I do that is because it's very easy for people to tell stories. Uh, they don't have to prep. And even if they have a script set for the other questions, they're not going to have a script about their story because they know it. So it kind of eases them, it calms them down a little bit. Like I just interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk um, uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday for a future episode of my podcast. Okay. And I asked him to tell me about what it was like to be the kid working at his dad's um, liquor store back when he was a little kid. And did he know he would be doing what he's doing right now? And it just kind of unlocked him, you know? Uh -huh. And um, starting there just eases in the guest, but it also is very intriguing for the audience because what's very intriguing is that I almost always get thought leaders on my show and they're very successful. And in order to humanize them, I want everyone to know that they started out no different than you or I did. And by sharing that story, there's a little bit of inspiration in my show that someone can say, wow, well, I'm right where Gary was back then, you know, so there's hope for me too. And, um, so not only does it unlock the guest, but it actually gets, um, the audience engaged and, once you ask that question, then you just kind of roll with it. And as they start talking, I'm listening very intently and I'm thinking about my audience and what they're interested in. And if the person telling the story says something that I think is interesting, I dig deeper. <laughs> I say, oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to when you said this. What about this? It's no different than if we were just sitting across the table talking to each other. Yeah. It's that dialogue between two people that everyone really finds quite enjoyable, especially when we're exploring the story. Yeah, and, and I have noticed that um, on a number of occasions, quite frequently, at least once an episode actually, in your, in your podcast specifically, you might, you might say, wait, 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 stop, 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 slow down, go back a little bit. Yeah, and just focus in on something, and it's it comes across very um, natural, and it, it's sort of you know it, that is just your inquisitive mind going. Well, actually, that's interesting. If I find it interesting, the audience will. So let's really. I can't tell you it. how many times I get people emailing me and and you know sending me tweets saying you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, so I just kind of I just kind of go with it, you know. And a lot of times when you're exploring a story, you don't exactly know the way like even if you're going to tell a story, you don't it's going to be a little different every time. And 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 it's kind of cool when those interruptions come because then you can kind of go down a little rabbit trail and I tell everyone before I even go on the interview I said, I like going down rabbit trails. Are you okay with that? Do you give me permission? So I asked for permission <laughs> before I even start the interview. Okay. And I also say, I'm going to take us off the rabbit trail if we go too deep. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Every guest I tell that to, and then they know I'm really um, guiding them. And as long as they accept that, then it's going to be an awesome um, end result. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really organic, I guess. So I didn't say that to you, Mike, but now that you've just given me that advice, is are we okay to just go off, uh, go down of the course. rabbit hole? Okay, cool. Yes. Brilliant. So with that vein, literally taking your advice then, Mike, um, you're, you're <laughs> now seen as, uh, as a thought leader. What you've achieved is incredible in terms of um, the brand, the the online platform, and obviously your your events, which I'd love to sort of uh, get into a little bit later on. Sure. Um, you were known as um, the white paper guy 
uh, many years back. Yeah. So uh, tell us your story. What's, um, what do you think were the sort of key pivotal points that, that got you from there to, to where you are now? Well, uh, real briefly, I was I wrote a book called Writing White Papers, and people called me the king of white papers. And white papers are articles, meat brochure, designed to persuade. And I had a great business going for me, um, and I was doing really, really well, but I was a little bored. And it was just kind of the monotony and the same old, same old. And um, somewhere along the line, social media emerged, Twitter in particular, and then Facebook so I started exploring how can I bridge what I was currently doing and bring some insight to my audience, right? And it turned out my audience was really interested in learning how social media could help them in their, you know, white papers, marketing techniques. And I got really interested in it. So I, I, I gave myself permission to explore that a little bit. And once I, once I started digging deeper, I'm like, holy cow, there's something here. And then this kind of light bulb went off in my head. And I said to myself, I wonder if... I wonder if I could take everything that I've learned in the world of social in, in white papers, which is how to create quality content and how to market that content. I wonder if I could apply that to social because I saw a problem in the world of social media. I saw lots of people just complaining. <laughs> they still do that today, don't they? Oh, well, that's never going to end, is it? <laughs> yeah. All I saw is people writing blog posts about how much Twitter sucked or Facebook sucked or whatever, you know, because they didn't like change. But I didn't see anybody actually giving like how to, like here's how to use it kind of stuff. Nobody was doing that. And because white papers are all about that, I just thought, wow, what a natural extension. So I started producing, I started Social Media Examiner kind of on a whim and the thing just frankly exploded. And a few years later, I shut down that whole white paper business, deleted the website and I've never looked back. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's... uh you know, wherever you get in life and when, whenever you achieve something, so every now and again someone says, wow, you know, you must be really proud of yourself. But a lot of people are driven, they're constantly looking forward and, and all the rest of it. But um, in terms of what you've achieved, Mike, it is it is phenomenal. Your audience is huge and, and all the rest of it. I mean, did you ever think you'd, you'd get to this stage? Never. I didn't. I mean, I had a crazy dream when I was a kid that I would be in a room and a bunch of people would be coming around giving me a high five for some reason and, that, and really loving it. And it never really happened until social media marketing world when there was all these people around me saying, congratulations, you killed it. You know, It was like, wow, that dream actually came true. I didn't even know back then what I was doing in that dream. Maybe I thought I had written a book or something. But you know, I had no clue. If you told me even 10 years ago that I would have like almost 12 million people reading my blog last year – or like almost 3 million people downloading my podcast last year, or I don't know if they're people, but downloads, you know, I mean, I would have said, no, you're full of it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to remain, you know, I mean, like I, I just feel like I'm on this amazing journey and a bunch of people are coming along for the ride. And, and I, and I'm really just an everyday guy. I still drive a 2002 Toyota Highlander. And, um, you know, I, I'm a pretty normal guy. I just happened to have figured it out finally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, you know, I think I think that comes across, you know, with with everything you do, that you're a normal guy, and people relate, and also, you know, it's a sort of, you know, we use words like empathy and authenticity, um, almost like they are tools and devices in, in in marketing. But you know, you do that, you do that really well. You're a genuine guy, and it com- it comes across. What what other sort of ingredients? What what other sort of things do you pinpoint 
uh, to to the sort of success that you that, that you're at, or you know, do you not? Yeah, well, it? I mean, first of all, it wasn't uh, when I started Social Media Examiner. It wasn't like Mike Stelzner; the name wasn't out there at all. It was in the white paper world. So when I started Social Media Examiner, I wanted the brand to be known, not me, because I would, I kind of had my fame and I had enough of it. And um, so what I attributed in the early days to the growth was quality, frankly. I was really stickler and I still am for quality. I wanted to create a visually attractive experience for people and I want because I know to get to the brain you have to go through the eyes, right? So I wanted it to look good but I also wanted it to read well. So a lot of times people only go one area. They create maybe good spoken words or written words but they don't think about the visual as well and because I used to own a design agency – you know, the combination of the visual and because I'm a writer and the written word together created this awesome kind of combination in the early days that made it go crazy because people were like when they first came there, it looked like it was professional. So it overcame what I call the who are you objection, even though they never heard of me before. <laughs> and then when they read it, they're like, wow, this is actually really good. And um, those two things were critical. But the third thing was I captured email addresses from day one, excuse me. So I said, hey, if you want more of this, we publish, you know, X times a week and now 10 times a week. Um, put your name on our email address. You'll never miss a future article from us. And now we have 445,000 people on that list. Um, but, you know, that was one of the key things that I did back in the early days. A lot of my friends were doing RSS. They were encouraging people to follow them on the RSS readers. But what they didn't realize is you don't have any control over the RSS readers. But with email you can send as often or as little as you want. And now everybody seems to understand the power of email. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember speaking to Brian Clark a few months ago and he, he was talking about the power. That's exactly of- who I was thinking of, by the way, while yeah, I was talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a friend of mine. <laughs> absolutely. He told me privately, you know, hey, I should have gone into email a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, you know, you, you did that and you, you, you build that list uh, huge, you know, um, and the quality because you talk about it and you ask your guests on on your podcast a lot about the sort of that that sort of the quality thing. So it really does come across, and the amount of content that you produce on a daily basis, which is incredible. Obviously, you don't do all of that yourself. You rely on um, contributors. Yeah, and we have a big team too. Absolutely. How do you maintain? Because um, there's other arguments about sort of quality versus quantity, but actually you've you've smashed that argument by by achieving both. How do you go about that? And um, I think uh, there's going to be an element of my audience interested if they wanted to write for you, Mike. Yes. Um, how do they how do they approach? How do they go about that? And how do they interest you? Given that the the quality is is so high, how do you maintain the quality? And what would you well? Advise? First of all, we thank you. Um, we we have our vision statement is all that we serve is quality, and we serve all with excellence. So everything that we produce from our podcast to our live video show to everything that we do, it really has to be quality because that's what's you know uh, that that's that's our vision um and because of my background as a writer you know i just have trained up an entire team with the eyes to look for quality but as far as answering the question of how does someone write for us we are always looking for writers socialmediaexaminer.com/writers 
And um, it's just a matter of you have to have some good stuff that's published on your own blog or somebody else's blog. And it has to be about something that we are interested in. And it's the two of those things combined. And we get a ton of, of inquiries. But the problem is a lot of people don't publish stuff that we care about, right? So you can come to us and you can say, hey, I'm an expert on this topic, which has nothing to do with our audience. And of course, we're going to deny it, right? <laughs> um, so this is where so many people get it wrong from a marketing perspective. You, if you want to persuade someone and you got to put yourselves in their shoes and say, what could I do that could help them? But we're always looking for excellent writers that are how-to experts, if you will. And they don't need to be true experts. They don't have to have written a book. They just need to have demonstrated that expertise already in their writing. So for example, on Twitter, or Facebook, any of the major social networks, that's the kind of stuff we're looking at. Okay. And I mean, you, you said there, you know, the sort of how to stuff. So a lot of what you do is, is, is tactical. It's advice and it's thought, thought leadership. How important is, is storytelling in your everyday content then, Mike? It is actually um, not important in our everyday content. Um, we radically de-emphasize story when it comes to our written content. Mm -hmm. Instead, if you read it, and by the way, I write the headlines and openers for everything that we write. Still, uh, really? Still, yeah. And we just create, we create really detailed how-to things because we know that people can go elsewhere for the other stuff. And they come to us because they want to try to figure out Snapchat or they want to figure out live video and they need a guide, you know, and that's our slogan is your guide to the social media jungle. Yep. So we, we do interject story in obviously my podcast, yep. but that's long. That's a different kind of content with a different kind of purpose and intent. So people listen to the podcast every week because they want uh, inspiration and they want they want knowledge on the go, whether in the car or in the gym. And there's a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of, you know, education. But they come to the blog purely for education, you know. So it's a different medium for a different purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm kind of visualizing um, your podcast, uh, a sort of content at the top of the funnel. And you get people in and... They're really interested in the how-to stuff. That's the real heart of your community, I, I would have thought. But Oh, yeah, and, and, and everything we sell is how-to stuff too, right? I mean, yep. if you think about like social media marketing world is one of our big products and people that listen to the podcast or read the articles that want to go deep, they come and they hear from the experts that were on the podcast live in the, at the conference, you know? Yep. And that's, that's really kind of um, – because what we sell is how-to – what we give away is also how to. So it's like it's like the sampler plate, yeah. you know, is the free stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I've I've got to say, mate, you know, the uh, the people you get on your show, your podcast, is just relentlessly impressive. And I think you always open your podcast with, "I am incredibly excited. I'm super excited to be speaking to." And, yes, but you know what? It's never. Um, it's, it's not a canned response. I no, really feel it's, that it's, way. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nothing but genuine every week because you have such great guests, you know. Um, however, I've got to say there's a yes. there's a couple of standout episodes for me where you um, you say, well, guess what, guys? This week I'm not it's bringing anyone on. It's just you, yeah. And and actually, um, typically when it's just you, you talk. Um, 
more about your failure than you do about your success. That's what's mm-hmm. really stood out to me. And for me, that differentiates you from a lot of uh, thought leaders and, and marketing experts out there because a lot of people, I think, are still afraid to, to sort of divulge that. You know, it's almost like it makes them not the bulletproof person they want to uh, appear, but immediately people identify and empathize. I was shocked at how much people related with that my $300,000 mistake episode, you know? Wow. And then when our yeah. Facebook page, when when Facebook took away our Facebook page. Just you know, elaborate on that a little bit, will you, Mike? Just which one? The the, three, yeah, absolutely, because I know exactly what you're talking about. The $300,000 one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, long story short, I – taking the success of social media examiner decided I was going to start a brand new website called mykidsadventures.com for the parenting space. And, um, I decided to invest a year into it, hired a bunch of people and you can still find the website out there, mykidsadventures.com and developed relationships, started a podcast called parenting adventures. I mean, I did a lot and, um, uh, there was a critical mistake that I made, which you can find out if you if you just go to just search failure on Social Media Examiner. I won't get into the mistake, but it ended up costing me $300,000 and I ended up shutting down that division of the company and it was a massive learning experience for me. And And I just decided to go out there because I'd already publicized previously about this new thing that I was starting and I decided, you know, sometimes there's some things you got to just let go. And this was one of them. And I talked about it in depth and heck, a lot of people said, wow, you know, nobody ever talks about failure. All we hear about is success. And we learn more sometimes from failure. So it turned out that it was one of my, it's probably the one episode I hear the most from people saying, I just love that one. Absolutely. And you know, uh, Mike, uh, I interviewed a guy called uh, Robert McKee. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's, um, he, he teaches story largely for people writing in Hollywood and movies and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he, he says all the time, look, you know, you've got to embrace the negative or you just physically can't move to the positive. You know, it's, it's virtually impossible. So he's very scientific in terms of... By the of- way, if I, didn't, if I didn't stop My Kids Adventures, there wouldn't be a social media marketing world. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, oh, and now it's huge. So, yeah. I mean, like, that amazing things come from try, trying things and being okay with failure. But from just sticking with that one episode as a piece of authentic content for a second, Mike, you know, mm-hmm. why do you think, how can, you know, how do you articulate um, getting such a response from your community based on how you went about telling that story? Why do you think, why, oh, well, I don't think it was, well, okay. First of all, I think I'm a natural storyteller. Um, and <laughs> Well, that helps, right? <laughs> It helps, yeah, because like I could have just said I failed and maybe not everybody would relate to it. But instead, I shared a whole story, you know, and I talked about my great aspirations to be the next Walt Disney and all these crazy kind of dreams that I had. I think I talked about that. I may not have, but no, but that's, you did. I remember. But yeah. that, but that indeed was part of the truth. Um, and um, you know, I talked about a lot of things on that show, and then along the way, I in, interspersed some quotes from people about failure from famous people. And, and, um, I, I basically took home a bunch of lessons that I experienced throughout the whole thing. And then, you know, I ended it, you know, pretty much saying, you know, I'm moving into the next chapter. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because frankly, we all fail, you know, uh-huh. and if we don't, we're kidding ourselves. Right. I mean, like the most successful people in the world have failed over and over and over and over again, you know, and I think it's refreshing to hear that 
people that are actually successful are willing to talk about the fact that they failed their way there, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you think the fact that um, you are obviously very successful now, do you think it's easier for you to talk about your failures and that part? No. <laughs> it's not it's not easy most people are you kidding that i mean that was risky for me right I mean, yeah, I because it, i'm willing to show my warts i mean like who the heck does that right yeah yeah i guess so. <laughs> but i can't you know i have a lot of um a big chunk of my audience are women and they actually were the ones that came out first and told me that they they really really um it engendered me to them in a stronger way i guess is the right way of saying it you know because I was willing to actually be just totally transparent. And um, they, th- a lot of people said, wow, if this guy is willing to talk about this kind of stuff, this is a guy that I want to follow. Yeah. And it actually shocked me. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, well, well you know, it kind of makes sense that you're based sold to somebody or, or a few, like thousands of like your audience, that it kind of, kind of does make sense. Now, it's interesting because people like marketers then take that on board and go, hmm, how can I use that as a tactic to drive my audience and all the rest of it? So where's the line with using that as a device and a tactic to grow your audience? And- well, yeah, let's be honest. Everything I do is for a reason, okay? Okay. I'm very strategic. Now, I knew that I wanted to talk about that story, but my reason wasn't to sell people. My reason was because I wanted to help people, you know? And I always try to help people. Like if you listen to my podcast, you can tell. You know, that I'm all about making sure that people that listen get something of value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt like I was at this stage in my growth that a lot of people that were listening are also at that stage. And I knew that if I shared that story, a lot of people would learn from it and a lot of people would benefit from it. And I knew that that would actually um, benefit them in a very unique way. So I took the strategic decision to put myself out there and share that story. Um, and I was raw and authentic, but I also knew that good stuff would come from it. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to lie and tell you that I didn't expect something positive to come from it. Cause if I didn't, I wouldn't have never done it, you know? So, so, so to get back to the core of your message, you know, the reason why I use story is because I know from my background, I've got a master's in speech and studied a lot of psychology. I know that stories um, help create really loyal fans, you know, and it's part of my process. You why, know? why is that, Mike? If you can articulate that, I think the audience would be really interested. Well, actually, it triggers a bunch of stuff inside the brain. It triggers, like, I think, uh, endorphins and dopamine and all this kind of stuff. And it actually creates a chemical response inside the brain that actually gets people um, to stop what they're doing and pay attention. And it actually... Um, um, somehow bonds them to you in a weird kind of way. I don't know how else to say that. You probably know more than I do about this. But but the end result is um, as a result of sharing stories that people can relate to, they're more willing to listen to you down the road because they're going to say, wow, this person is like me and I want to get to know people that are like me because I think that I can somehow benefit from that. I don't know. I'm just I'm just free flowing here a little bit. Yeah, no, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. And and you know, Mike, I've interviewed a wide variety of people, you know, largely marketers, and I asked them about storytelling and their insights and experience and advice. I asked uh, Seth Godin about who he thought uh, was the best 
storytellers in the world. And he shocked me by saying, I think mothers are the best storytellers in the world. Um, which which actually, it, it stumped me a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, but then he gave a very eloquent um, answer in terms of you know, backing that up and, and saying why. I'm constantly looking for sort of outside of sector, uh, outside of our, our sort of industry uh, influence in terms of who are the best storytellers in the world. I've asked a number of guests. I'd be really interested. Who, who do you think are the best storytellers, professional or otherwise? And who else can marketers learn from from, from that perspective? Who, who would you say? Well, I really like Alex Bloomberg from the Startup Podcast from Gimlet Media. Have you ever listened to the Startup Podcast? I haven't. I haven't, no. So this guy used to work for um, This American Life, and um, This American Life is a is a uh, was a TV show and a podcast. I think that is part of the national broadcasting system in the United States. And he started a podcast about a year or two ago called Startup, and he actually wired up himself and some other people in his desire to want to get venture capital funding. And it was it's all about basically the story. It's it's called um like audio journalism. And it's all about the story of him trying to go through the process uh, and all the pains and challenges. It's like Joseph Campbell, you know, um the what do they call that journey? Uh, the, the hero's the journey. Hero's journey. Mm-hmm. He's like a modern living example of it. And it's amazing wow. listening to him share this authentic, raw story over a series of podcasts. If you listen to the podcast, Start at episode one and just start listening to it. And it's amazing because the way that he take, took all these clips and sewed this together, you, you actually find it amazing and you feel yourself cheering for him. And it, it, it's amazing at what he's done. And now he's got this thing called Gimlet Media. And he has like five different shows and he's generating like $5 million a year in revenue from podcasting. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's uh, that's a great recommendation. I'll definitely uh, check that out and show the, yeah, the guys listening startup. as well. Cool, cool, Mike. I've always I've always wanted to ask you this. Um, I said at the beginning, you're a very inquisitive host. You seem to ask great questions. I've always wondered because you know you're a thought leader. You're absolutely entrenched in in marketing and all things digital and social. Um, I always wonder. It must be rare for somebody to come along. Uh, with a completely fresh perspective or new set of skills that you haven't seen before and all the rest of it, given that you do this like you know uh, relentlessly every day how um how do you how do you look for the guests on on your show and who's been the most refreshing and sort of not shocking but surprising guest that's brought something new to to your world given that you're... you know what i learn something every time i do a podcast really i mean it, it does seem that way i've got to say i really do i mean honestly i bring people that i that know way more than i do to the table and while it may sound like i know a lot i know enough to sound like i know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reality of it is they really know a lot more. So I defer to their expertise and I ask them questions and I, uh, you know, I'm naturally inquisitive and I don't know a lot of things that they know. And I know that everyone knows something uniquely different and we've all got our expertise and obviously yours is storytelling. So um, I'm because of that, I'm never really, I rarely ever find myself knowing more than my guest. Really? Is that yes? Right. Okay. Because that. I mean, it, I've got to say, it does. It does actually come across that way. And and I think, um, like you said before, maybe it's just the way I ask the questions. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> you just you do have this way of uh, you know it's it's a really free flowing conversation. But I think, as you said before, it seems like you always ask the question that the audience really wants to know the answer to. Uh, I guess that's why it adds so much value on a on a show by show basis, right? Thank you. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah. It's very, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, I've, I've asked um, like Brian Halligan from uh, HubSpot. I've asked Joe Politi from Content uh, Marketing uh, Institute. They they're perceived just like you are, I guess, Mike. Like uh, very much digital um, brands and organisations. But of course, um, as well as your phenomenal success online, all this sort of uh, content you pump pump out from a from a digital perspective. You've you've got some great events, right? You bring people together. They look people in the eye, and like you know, they they meet up and all the rest of it to bond a community and build the numbers you're building. Um, what's your view? How, how important is um, events? And it's a big. It's a big deal. Is it really a still? It's, it's, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, like we we should have three thousand marketers at Social Media Marketing World this year. We're trending there, and um. They just go crazy because if anything, marketers now are very much attached to their computer and typically operate, mm. you know, by themselves. And um, they're very social, many of these people in this space. And when they get together, it's like magic happens. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's harder. While social media is so powerful and, and allows so much to happen, it does not do quite the same thing that happens when you get a chance to, you know, hold a beer you know, with your fellow man or woman or sit down at a meal or sit next to someone while they're watching an expert present. It's just there's something special about physically coming together and where you know everyone there is exactly like you and has the same struggles that you have. And, um, you know, I didn't expect we'd have 1,100 people there our first year, you know. Blew, it blew my mind actually. And um, it's a big deal. And as you mentioned with those other two conferences, HubSpot and Content Marketing World, you know, are both bigger than me. They've clearly seen it as well. And there is still obviously something special about physically getting a bunch of people to gather together. Yeah, it, it does seem that way, doesn't it? And I noticed that um, you seem to have a core contingent of people around you that uh, year on year bring excellent value to, to, to your events uh, so what what do you look for in in a speaker from a, a storytelling point of view from an expertise point of view i'll give you i'll give you a little secret Go for it. most of the people that are on my podcast are speaking <laughs> at social media marketing world right okay <laughs> so i test run people on my podcast uh-huh. to see whether or not they pass my test that's part of the reason why i'm quizzing them so much <laughs> i don't just want to learn i'm also asking myself are they truly an expert uh-huh. good enough to get up on my stage yeah you know yeah and i would venture to guess that 75 percent of the people that are on my show speak at my conference and not only that but it's a great relationship building technique too i get to know them in this 45 minutes or whatever that we spend together and many of them say oh yeah that was a great experience i'd be happy to come to your conference yeah ab- absolutely and so guess- they have to be excellent verbal communicators to mm-hmm. get to the point they have to really have some deep domain knowledge in an area that we care about um and um and a lot of them have written books because you know they've organized their knowledge in such a way that they can actually communicate them well um but yeah it's it's the hardest thing that we have is getting getting up on our stage um, because I pretty much hand recruit almost everyone and I want to make sure that no matter what 
session people go to because we have 10 simultaneous sessions going on yeah. that people have and a really, really good experience. So I put my reputation on the line. And I think that's part of the reason we have such a great conference is that we, we don't have like an open call for speakers. Everything is recruited. Yeah, and I guess you've also got the um, the benefit, right, of of seeing the the reaction to your podcast episodes as, as well. Oh so, yeah, we have all that data exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you do seem to be very um, clued up from a data point of view. Very data. I'm very driven. analytical. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that does come across. So, talk to me about a little bit um, about your strategic approach to converging all your different channels, Mike. Because for me, that is um, that's, that's really really interesting. You you seem to do that really well. Yeah, I mean, um, we have all these different media outlets. We've got the audio stuff with all the podcasts. We've got the live video stuff and the regular video, and we've got the written word. And, um, and then we've got the email and everything. So it, it really is all about, we know that certain people want to consume audio, I mean, content in different ways. And we know that every time we produce new media, we're attracting a new audience to us. And, um, in the end, we measure those results of all that stuff that we produce to make sure that we're constantly growing that audience. You know, if that audience starts to shrink or starts to not grow, then we question that investment. But the key is to have like, um, to know, we know our audience also because we do lots of surveys and we take all that data and we kind of process it. And then we say, okay, what's the ideal number of this or that? And we just produce that content and allow the world to kind of go crazy with it. And of the 12 million people, let's say that read our blog last year, the almost 3 million people that downloaded the podcast, we know it's a tiny little fragment of people that ultimately become our customers. We only need about 6,000 customers a year to be very successful. So it's really all about, you know, just, just drawing in this humongous audience and knowing that just a tiny little fragment will come to our events. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we talked about all the different channels that you engage with and, you know, the storytelling stuff for you. And I think a lot of marketers is very much at the top of the funnel, but you know, you, what you do is very, very well is forensically distill that down through the funnel and you know and, yeah. and, and get the traction so so finally mike um let me ask you this what what are you up to at the moment what's going on what um what events yeah. are, are you pushing because i think my audience um you know will by now if they didn't already know what you guys are doing will be very yep. interested to get involved so well please. the thing that we're most excited about is our physical conference social media marketing world uh which is in april and um, it's an amazing event. Um, but I know if you have a lot of listeners that are not in you know, the United States, we also offer the ability to get that content in a virtual ticket, which is intriguing for a lot of people. So we have over 100 educational sessions. And for people that can't afford to come over to the United States, we also you know, offer the opportunity to get all that content. We record literally everything. Um, but, but the conference itself is probably our pride and joy. It's our best thing that we do. It's the people, it's the thing people are fanatical about. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, we have our opening night party on an aircraft carrier. Like who does that? Right. An aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier was the largest ship in the world until 1960. It's crazy. Wow. So, um, and we just networking, discovery, and fun. Discovery is all about the educational stuff, the networking we just have networking off the hook, things you'll never experience at any other conference. And the fun, uh, our second night party, we have the largest yacht in Southern California. And we put a thousand people on the yacht and we go out for a bay cruise in San Diego. Wow. So, I mean, we, do, we make sure people walk out of there like inspired, 
had a blast, but also really learned a lot. So if anybody who's listening right now wants to try to figure out how to take some component of social media to the next level for their business, we literally have the top experts in everything you can imagine from Snapchat to Facebook to video to podcasting to blogging, all that stuff. Um, they can check it out by um, either Googling social media marketing world or coming to socialmediaexaminer.com and they'll see ads for it all over the place. Wow. Well, well I'd certainly highly recommend that. I've followed uh, your stuff for, well, a number of years now, Mike, and I'm a huge fan and I'll continue to be in the future. So uh, what, what better place to, to, to leave it there? I'd certainly recommend that uh, you guys check out Mike's stuff. Uh, I'm sure you've enjoyed this, uh, this episode and um, there's, there's a ton of value over there. I know Mike, um, he interviews and engages with so many of the world's best uh, thought leaders from a storytelling and marketing point of view. So, uh, so do check it out. Mike, uh, the only thing left for me to do is just thank you for your time. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, thanks for coming on and hope we can do it again. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been my absolute pleasure talking with you and your audience today. Fantastic. Take care, Mike. Thanks very much. So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.